Ito ang Ice Garden. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Top Shelf where we keep the hot takes and the hard liquor. I'm Hannah Beavis here with your co-host Michelle J. Michelle, how are you doing? I that was poorly done. Getting the hiccup out of the way early into the episode. I know. I was trying to not, and then it just happened and it was like a whole thing. Um I am good. Ask me how I'm, I'm doing. Oh. Hmm. Okay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know why? Why? We're recording on my birthday. Oh my God, shut up. Yep. <laughs> wow. I'm a terrible friend. No, you're not. I turned it off on my Facebook notifications and it's not on my Twitter or anything. So the only people who remembered it with my birthday are people who have a physical calendar or who are related to me. Wow, I'm an asshole. No, you're not. You are not. We also could have done this on a different night. No, we couldn't have. Well, we could have maybe done it yesterday. It's not a big deal. I'm okay. I had no plans. This is a good. This is my birthday. I went and I bought macaroons at the bakery and I ate those. And now I'm drinking wine and I'm talking about women's hockey. Well, happy birthday! Thanks. So yeah, that's been now. I feel like all thrown off. That's been my day. Sorry. (laughs) I maybe shouldn't have done that. I realized as we started recording, I was like, oh. This is maybe something I should mention before, but then I was like, no, it'll be a good intro, except now we're all off kilter. <laughs> now it's just awkward because I'm a bad friend. You're not a bad friend. I knew it was coming up, though. I did know it's towards the end of the season, but I couldn't remember if it was like end of March or early April. And so I just kind of was hoping like social media would tell me. And actually, like my Facebook thing was like, three people's birthdays today and I was like oh shit is it Hannah's birthday and you weren't on there so I just like I moved along with my day and figured it would just tell me next time I muted like that notification so nobody gets the notification that it's my birthday I don't remember why I did it I think I got annoyed because everyone posts on your Facebook wall and so then you have like 60 posts from people that you only vaguely speak to sometimes and so I just turned it off so you wouldn't have gotten a notification um Do you want to know something kind of terrible that I do? What? It hurts your birthday, and I would have no reason to wish you happy birthday in real life or on Facebook. I unfriend you. (laughs) (laughs) That's the greatest thing I've heard. That probably sounds terrible. But, like, I've been doing that with my social media, too. There are so many people that I, like, follow or whatever, and I'm like, I'm never going to speak to you ever again. Like, I don't even know that I'll see you ever in my life again. Like, there's yeah. no reason for me to be friends with you on social media. I'm like, today it was like two people from high school. I'm like, I haven't spoken to you. Um, it is 2019. I graduated high school in 2010. I have not spoken to you in nine years. <laughs> so, bye-bye. It's a, One of these people is married. 
I feel like that's a good rule of that. That's a pretty good way to go through your friend group without like Marie Kondoing it all at once. Like honestly, if yeah, that's someone else told me they did it, and I was like, honestly, that's really smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to do that. Okay, but let's move on. We are trying to keep this this podcast um, a little bit more on track than usual because we're going to be talking about several different championships. Before we do that, Michelle, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking white wine Mm. from, I don't remember, but (laughs) it is good. It was in my fridge. And yeah, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Mm. red wine. Sorry. What one? Red wine. Mm. Uh, It's a Merlot. I can't remember the brand. Um, Does it start with a W? No. Shit. Remember last week you couldn't remember what it was? No, like it starts that w. was a different one. That was a cab sab and it did talk, it did start with a W. This one I think starts with a B. I don't know why I can remember the first letter and not the whole name. It was This like, one six, starts with a V. I looked just so I could tell you. It looks, I bought this one at Table and Vine. It was $6, which is why I bought it. Because it was cheap. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's somebody in my Facebook friend list that has 2,156 <laughs> friends. I'm like, <gasps> How? I don't know. That's like how many kids that's well, that's about I twenty five hundred. Like that's how many kids were in my high school. Like total. If I was friends Facebook friends with every single one of them. Which I am not. That's crazy. Yeah. <sighs> Who are you toasting tonight? I am toasting uh Wisconsin goaltender Kristen Campbell. Uh she Came to Wisconsin from the now closed, defunct University of North Dakota team. Hmm. Uh, And in Wisconsin's road to the national championship, um, to the national championship victory, she allowed zero goals in three games. I forgot that she came from UND until you put that in the notes doc today. And, like, honestly, that just makes her story that much better. That she, like, came from a program that, like, basically broke the hearts of everyone who was a part of it. And now was a part of, like, Wisconsin's... I guess... I I think you can call it a national championship drought. It was, like, eight years since they'd won one. So, cheers to her. Who are you toasting? Um, I'm toasting Annie Pankowski because, like, so I went to go see the Frozen Four on Sunday because it was, like, relatively close to where I was at in Quinnipiac. Um, And, like, getting to watch her play live and also just to, like, see what other people were talking about her on social media for, like, the rest of the tournament, like... Wisconsin earned their win as a team, but Annie Pankowski in that championship game was, like, a level that, like, I understand now why she's in Team USA's pipeline. I understand why she was a top three Patty Kaz nominee. Like, she was just, like, everywhere, even when she didn't have the puck. And the shorthanded goal that she scored in that game was, like, one of the prettiest things I've ever seen. Like, pinpoint precision shooting. It was incredible. So I wanted to toast her for, oh, 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 somebody else on um, social social media. It might have been Gabs. I'm trying to remember who posted this or on an account. Somebody commented to her after she lost the Patty Kaz, like um, Lauren Gable won it instead. 
And so they were like, oh, Annie, like, sorry for not winning that. And she's like, she told her whole team that trophy wasn't for us. The trophy that we want is tomorrow. And then they it won. was in the um, UW, uh, the Wisconsin athletics recap. Yeah. Or like a little story about her, I guess it wasn't a recap. I read it somewhere right before the show and I was like, oh my God, like, that's incredible. So I'm toasting Annie Pankowski for a hell of a way to end her senior season. It really is. Uh, so for this episode, we kind of, it's like weird because it's like the end of the season, but it's not because we have Worlds coming up pretty quickly. But like before we get to talk, talking about Worlds stuff, um, we kind of wanted to wrap up the North American championships. Like we're not going to be able to get to everything like Sweden and Finland and everybody else has had their championships as well. But we wanted to talk about the NCAA, the NWHL and the CWHL uh, championship series. And we're going to try and do it in one episode. So this one might be a little bit longer than normal, but we're trying to get a ton of stuff in here at once. So I think since both our toasts were NCAA, maybe we, we should, oh my God, words, we should maybe start with the NCAA. Yeah. And like, we'll, I'll try to remember to timestamp when we start talking about the various leagues and put it in the description. So that way, if yeah. you want to listen to just a specific part, you don't have to just skim through and try to find it. That's a good idea. I know I have them sometimes. You have them a lot of times. Oh, thanks. <laughs> like my Facebook purge on your birthday. Yes. Ad, that's, that's probably actually of all the ideas that you've got this episode. That's probably the best one. I don't know if we'll be able to top that. Um, so I was able to go to the Frozen Four, which it was my first time going to like a championship game, which Michelle, you've been, cause you covered one in Minnesota before, right? When you were in college. Yes. It was the 2014 one where, um, BU lost to Minnesota, uh, during Minnesota's undefeated season, Amanda Kessel, Noratu, no, mm. Amanda Kessel wouldn't have been on that team. Would she have? I think I think she was. They were doing like little historical things throughout the the game on Sunday, and I think she was in like a two, the 2014 photo that they had. Now this is gonna bother me. Oh no, it wasn't 2014. I'm wrong. It was 2013. But that she, I, went. I think she still would. She would have been a freshman, right? Because she, um, I'm trying to go back and look right now. She had the Olympic year, and then she was had the concussion. So like her senior year, she was not the typical like four year thing. I love how we're like we're gonna try and stay really on track this episode, and within literally thirty seconds of starting this, we're not talking about this year's Frozen Four. We're trying to figure out what years Amanda Castle went to Minnesota. Well, it was gonna very much bother me. So it was the 2012-2013 season with the with the Frozen Four in Minnesota. Okay. Uh, they beat BU. Um, Amanda Kessel was on that team along with Hannah Brandt, Amanda Levier, Milica McMillan. Wow. Milica McMillan, Lee Steckline. Oh my god. Um, Nora Ratu. Marie Philippe was on BU. I think Rebecca Russo was on BU. Um, it was epic. The, well, anyway. the thing that I was like thinking about too was hold on. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to pull up rosters for this year's Frozen Four because, like, it's like when you talk about a team like that, like how many players went on to play pro or to play for their Olympic teams, like, 
we could have had that with this year's Frozen Four because there were there are so many players who have been on like U18s. Like Kelly mm-hmm. Panic already has an Olympic medal. Like Annie Pankowski very nearly went to the Olympics. Abby Rock, uh, Presley Norby. I'm just trying to do this off the top of my head. Um, uh, I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find it. Both both Potomacs have been in Team Canada. Grace Zumwinkle has played in the U18s. What did you send me? Honestly, I don't know. It's not what I thought it was once I started looking at it. Hold, please. <laughs> we're a disaster. Like, I'm not going to get we everything. We were so good until just now. I know. We were really cruising. Like, um, Kelly Panic has played on an Olympic team before. Both Potomacs, which also, this is who I should have toasted. Kelly Panic, Setterned, Amy, and Sarah Potomac from Minnesota. Do you know what their nickname is for that line? We talked about this last week, Hannah. Did we? Oh, well, I forgot. I'm still in, enamored by it. Um, Taylor oh, Heist. This giant, stupid ad that takes up like a, three quarters of my screen on the NCAA site. Taylor Heist has played in U18s before. Taylor Went, I think, has Alex Woken, Grace Zumwinkle. That's just Minnesota. You go to Wisconsin. Um... Michaela Gardner, Abby Rock, Sophie Shirley, who has played pro and is now back in the college level. She was a rookie of the year in the C-Dub last year, I believe. Natalie Buckbinder, Emily Clark, Grace Bulby, I think, Presley Norby, Pankowski, uh, Sophia Shaver, maybe. They might get that one wrong. Like, half these could be on the 2022 Olympic rosters, and I would not be shocked which just goes to show like when these players are in college sometimes it's hard to see just how far like how good they actually are until they get to the pro levels and then you're like oh shit like which I think is kind of cool that you can see like some of the top players at the college level can also be some of the top players at the pros and I think that speaks to how far the NCAA has come in terms of like developing pro players and like that that's a good place for you to go and get a ton of experience. But the actual Frozen Four for this year, Wisconsin won 2-0. Annie Pankowski was lights out. Kristen Campbell was lights out. Um, Pankowski's shorthanded goal was still one of the prettiest things I've ever seen in my entire life. It just, Minnesota just couldn't connect. Like, as as good as Wisconsin was at, like, getting up the ice really quickly and transitioning really quickly. And I, they, they seem to have more of the possession. Minnesota just couldn't get any kind of sustained pressure going. It was kind of hard to watch because you could tell that the skill was there, but their passes just weren't connecting. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to watch um, the game live, but uh, that's what a lot of people seem to be saying. And, and the like highlight reels that I watched from Minnesota's um, semifinal game also kind of seemed to show the same issues I guess for lack of a better word um they seem to have trouble like getting anything started Mm -hmm. um and I think they kind of benefited from the little bit of an easier path um I don't want to say like Cornell was an easy path for them because clearly it wasn't um they only won two to nothing Mm -hmm. uh, and even that was a well hard fought win when I think some people thought it could go a little bit more of a um, blowout. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I just... Wisconsin had their number from the get-go. And, like, when they could have had opportunities to maybe get some momentum back, like, they had a couple power plays in the second period where they could have tied things up. And they just... Like, like Pankowski got a shorthanded goal, and that just took all the wind out of their sails. Like, they just really couldn't ever... And, like, Kristen Campbell wasn't going to give anything up. And credit to Goldstein and that for Minnesota. Like, she was playing... She kept her team in the game. Like, this was, this was still only a 2-0 game, and that wasn't... Either of those were empty nets. So, like, she gave her team every chance to come back. They just couldn't beat Campbell. And they couldn't... Like, I don't have the shot charts from the games, but, like, the they weren't getting, like, a, a ton of really good, like opportunities, rebounds, anything like that. They weren't getting any really good second chances. Campbell was MVP, right? Uh, yeah, most outstanding player. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned um, that she didn't let a goal in during the NCAA tournament. She made 27 saves in the final and 56 saves over three games or over two? I think two games. Okay. I don't know where I got the stat from that says three. But I think that was two games. I will say I was a little surprised that, like, like you mentioned, that the score was closer for Minnesota Cornell than it was for Wisconsin Clarkson. Like, Wisconsin didn't seem to have a problem with Clarkson. Yeah. I mean, I think some of that comes down to the fact that Minnesota um, definitely struggled throughout the playoffs. Um, And one thing I thought was... When you said like Wisconsin had Minnesota's number, one thing that I remembered is that they've played it, they play each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and leading into the game, I don't remember who said it to who, but one of the players said, "There's no secrets. Yeah. Um, there's no secrets between these two teams. You know, they play each other so often, they see each other so much, uh, they play so many of common common opponents in the WCHA mm-hmm. that they know each other inside and out, and it's it's just clear that." Maybe Minnesota came in and had a little bit of an off end of season. Um, but, yeah, I was stoked to see Wisconsin win it. And, I, you know, I'm thinking about that, too. Like, when it comes to two teams who have the same kind of amounts of skill levels or, or where it is so close in terms of, like, how often they see each other, the familiarity, I think then it comes down to coaching and I was waiting for Minnesota to try and, like, shake things up to maybe break up that top line, especially when you're going into th- the third period and you're just trying to get a spark any way you can. And I didn't really see a lot of that. So I feel like maybe mm-hmm. Minnesota also got outcoached in that way, too, because you need something. Like, whether it's – I don't think – you you can't change your goalie. I don't think that would have solved the problem. But shake your lines up, like – you got to say something or do something to help your team kind of get going. Yeah. Congratulations, though, to Wisconsin. They definitely earned it. Like, what? And another thing that I love, too, is, like, I got the a video of, like, the end of the game. And, like, the, the last few seconds, it was, like, the puck was just pinned up on a board behind the um, behind the net. And so, like, there were a bunch of players trying to jam away at it. But, like, for the last five seconds, like... Nobody was going to kick the puck out. Like, they were just waiting until the clock ran out. And there were two Wisconsin players who were, like, waiting at the edge of Kristen Campbell's crease. And, like, they knew it was over. And, like, somebody tossed their gloves up in the air with, like, three seconds to go. They were like, it's over. It doesn't matter. Like, there's no chance that they're going to score. So they basically started celebrating before the game even ended. 
That's always fun to see. It was great. They were really, they were really pumped. Uh, shall we move on to, where do we want to go? C-dub or N-dub? Do you want to go with the N-dub because it was longer ago? And I feel like we have maybe a little more to talk about with the C-dub. Okay. That's good with me. So, yeah, we kind of, the NWHL, it feels like happened forever ago. I know. I was thinking the same thing while we were, like, coming up with the notes for this week. Mm-hmm. Like, we were, like, because last week it was just the college preview, so we didn't talk about the end of it all. But I'm kind of glad we saved it, because I like that we kind of group them all together here. Yeah. Um, so, kind of right off the top, it was a 2-1 overtime game, which, like, that was, like, I think of all the Isabel Cup finals, the most exciting one for me to watch because it was so close the whole yeah. game. And like the goaltending display was just Amanda mm-hmm. Levier was unbelievable. Like I can't, I can't even. It was so good. And the other thing too, though, with goaltenders was that Shannon Zavados didn't play, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming. Well, yeah, mostly because she was injured. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they announced she was out with a lower body injury, like maybe 30 minutes before the game. Um, but I'm pr- she did dress and was on the bench as the backup. Was she on the bench? I think I heard she was had seen she was on the bench. I want to check that because I'm not. I thought it was somebody else, mainly because her hair is so easy to see, and I thought it. I didn't see. Girls, I saw something else. Is there a way she did win gold? Oh, no, I guess she didn't. I guess she wasn't on the bench. I don't know why I thought she was dressed in on the bench. I don't know. It was a really strange, like I don't know. It was very strange that they waited until as late as they did to announce it, and like I don't know, and like, but like you wouldn't think that it's a problem for the beats anyways, because it's like, oh no, Shane Zabados is out. My our Olympic gold medal goalie is out. We'll just put in our other Olympic gold medal goalie. No problem. It's fine. Like and Nicole Hensley played great, but she I did. Think that was kind of a shock for a lot of people because I think most people expected Shannon to play. Oh yeah, I mean Shannon had played three of the four games against the Whitecaps, um, and the only game the uh, Whitecaps won was when Nicole was in net. Hmm. It was kind Which of was interesting. It was kind of ironic then too when the person who got the overtime goal for the Buttes or um, the Whitecaps to win it was Lee Steckline, her Team USA teammate. Yeah. Which had to hurt a little bit for Nicole, but like was also, I was really happy to see Lee get it because like, I think she's been a big part of that Whitecaps team, and. Like, she's one of their the Minnesota natives. Like, she went to the University of Minnesota. It was cool to see her win that on home ice in front of a sold-out crowd. Yeah. And, I mean, like, in, in defense of Nicole Hensley, like, there wasn't much she could do, you know? Like, the Whitecaps won that draw so clean off the faceoff. Mm-hmm. And Steckline shot the puck before I think anybody even realized what was happening. Went straight through Hensley's five-hole. Like, she was just... It was the perfectly drawn-up play to win the game. Like, mm-hmm. that was what you, like, all uh, no. like all Buffalo could have done is win the face-off. Like, 
Yeah. They knew what they were doing down to a T and they executed perfectly, which I think is um, like kind of amazing in this day and age. Not mm-hmm. not this day and age, I guess. That's the wrong thing to say, but like pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. Like, and we talked about before, like, and you mentioned this, that the Buttes have had trouble against the Whitecaps this year. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think there's a particular reason for that? I know we speculated about it before, but like now that we've seen the final play out the way it did and like. The final was close. I think you probably could have had a go either way. Had the Buttes won that draw, maybe the they go down to the other and didn't get a goal. But they just couldn't seem to solve them. Not that the Buttes aren't a fast team, but I think the Whitecaps are a faster team. And the Whitecaps use their speed to get around some of the physicality of the Buttes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Buttes were also double shifting two of their defenders after they lost two of their defenders mm-hmm. during the season. And I think, like, having to do that is a lot, mm-hmm. is asking a lot of a player, um, which can obviously, when it's your top two defenders double shifting, your defenders are going to get tired a mm-hmm. lot faster. I think it was Falzer and Bolden that were double shifting um, since they lost the two, since they lost Sarah Edney and Sarah Casorso early in the season, mm-hmm. or midway through the season. Um, so, I mean, obviously, they're two elite defenders, but when you have a team that has Kendall Coyne Schofield and Allie Thunstrom mm-hmm. who are faster than the light speed of light and you have <laughs> defenders out there who are double shifting. Yeah. Get some heavy legs pretty quickly. Um, and I mean, it's not just Kendall and Allie. It's, you know, you've got Lee Steckline and Amanda Bollier on defense mm-hmm. who can put up major points. Um, you've got, uh, John Curtis, newcomer yeah, of the year who led, um, led all, led the team in points, assists and goals. Um, you've got Amy Menke out there pushing in the corners. It's just, I think for as physical as Buffalo is, it was no match for the white cap speed mm-hmm. because like when you look at how Buffalo did against Boston, I know we've talked about this a lot, but like. Boston was able to outplay Minnesota, but I think that Buffalo's, um, I guess Boston was able to skate with Minnesota, which yeah. a lot of times yeah. led to Boston's success over Minnesota, except for maybe when it counted the most at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Buffalo was able to outmuscle Boston. Yeah. Um, where I think just the depth of Minnesota just overcame uh, overcame Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the Buttes have been in the finals four times, so like all four seasons the Buttes have played, and they've only won now once because of Brianne McLaughlin, basically. And like there was some discussion on Twitter about whether you could consider, if the Buttes had won this game could you consider them a dynasty or not because of that but I feel like if I had to pick a dynasty in the NWHL it wouldn't be the Buttes even though they have technically made it to the finals all these times I would pick like the pride probably over the Buttes I don't know if that's fair but that's like I don't know if we've seen a dynasty yet I think the Whitecaps could be one if you give them yeah. a couple more seasons. I think this is a pretty damn good start. You're winning the Isabel Cup in your first full technical, technically season in the NWHL. But 
they've actually won. They won a trophy in the original NWHL, and they won a Clarkson Cup. Um, Did they win? I don't. They weren't in the original NWHL. They won some kind of a trophy. Was it the Western Women's League? Yeah. In like two thousand four, it was like a long time ago. But the Whitecaps existed then and won like the Western Women's Hockey League trophy, and then they won a Clarkson Cup the one year that like. In two thousand ten. Yeah, where they played the winner of. The CWHL. The CWHL. Before and, the CWHL and the Western Women's Hockey League merged. Oh my god. And, it's so confusing. Yeah, their history is extremely convoluted, but that's for a different day. Um, <laughs> I think, like, yeah, I wouldn't call at either of the teams dynasty. Like, I wouldn't no. call the Buttes a dynasty. If they had won last year and this year, so if they'd won three in a row, yeah, obviously they're a dynasty, but, like... They won the second year as the fourth seed, yeah. on really on the back of Brianne McLaughlin. Yeah, you know when a, when your when your goalie sees sixty saves or sees sixty shots in a game, there's something going a little wrong. Yeah. Um. And last season they weren't able to beat the Riveters, who are obviously incredible last season and like had a very magical season, but like still. And then this year you come out for your fourth straight finals appearance and you still can't bring it home. Like it, it, it does raise the question to me though. Um, early, so mid, midway through the season, we saw that the Pagulas weren't happy with how the performance was going mm-hmm. and they fired. I am very hiccupy. I'm sorry. I do not <laughs> know why. And they fired Craig Mooney and, Rick Sealing. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. I wanted to call him Jeff. Mm-mm. Nope. And they fired um, Rick and Craig having to do the season due to performance. And, like, yes, the Buttes did turn it around, but ultimately they didn't clinch first place. And they didn't, now that they, like, first place is really in their hands. Minnesota won out, which gave them first place. But they didn't clinch first nor did they bring a trophy home I'd, i i like this question because i do think that like based on what we've seen the pagulas do like when they weren't happy when the buttes were at 500 like six games into the season they try to make changes but like i think it's hard to it's it's hard one to make a change mid-season in a women's hockey landscape where like you can't just trade for a player you can't just yeah. like pick somebody up at the trade deadline because players have jobs and you can't just say, okay, I'm going to need you to move and come play for Buffalo. Like, that's not how this works. That's not how the league is structured. Two, I don't know how, what they would do in the off season because like, again, on paper, we thought the Buttes were going to run away with this at the beginning of the year. Like they were easily the most talented lineup it appeared so I don't know if you get a coach that can maybe work with this team better and help them utilize their strengths more I don't know if you try to find more players who can skate with teams like Minnesota and Boston but then you're kind of changing the identity of the Buttes and like how how different are you going to make this lineup and is that going to help or hurt them I don't know I mean I feel like you shore up your defenders now that you're down two from where you started, 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like you need to, like, add offensive firepower when you've got Maddie Elia and Haley Skamara. Maybe ask them to stay out of the box a little bit. Kelly Rabstock, too. Like, yeah. That was a good pickup, but bad for their um, <laughs> power play numbers. I don't know how what's the, what that phrase is. I'm like, and, and when you talk about like the physicality of the reads, they have a lot of players who do that. Matty Elia goes in the box all the time. Kelly Babstock, like they're they're Lamaru esque players, and that they're so good. But it's like, can you please stop like taking all these penalties? Like we need you on the ice, please. Yeah. And then especially like when you are are also short two defenders and you're on the penalty kill all the time. Like, that's not going to help either. Yeah, I mean, so I guess I'll be interested to see how the Padulas respond to this. Um, Just knowing their past history with this, it'll be, I'll be interested. I'll be watching for that. It'll be a a, a thing to watch. Mm -hmm. I don't think they need to change that much. If the Lamaroos come back next year after having their kids, do you think they play pro and do you think they would play for the Whitecaps? This is purely speculation. I mean, I think the only team they play for is the Whitecaps because they have lives in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. I think we see like a... Danny Cameronese, Shannon Zabados, Kendall Coyne Schofield situation, though, where they're traveling in for games. Mm-hmm. Um, I would actually be interested to see if they go to Buffalo. Oh my God. Not that they would be like, not that Shannon Zabados, Canadian legend, would go to two Americans and be like, yo, here's the stitch, but Shannon said that the uh, Pagulas were putting her up in the hotel in the rink. Like, if you've never been to Harbor Center, there's, like, it's on, like, the seventh floor or something ridiculous, and there's, like, a hotel in the same building. And if you're going to be... that's where Shannon was staying. If you're going to be flying in for games anyways, like, you might as well fly into Buffalo, because, like, if we're talking about what the Pagulas are going to be doing, and those are two huge free agents on the market, and the Buttes didn't win a cup, you better bet they're going to be calling them and saying, we want you on our team, and we'll give you the marketing and promotion. that you." But I don't... There's that weight against, like, they have played for the White Cats before. They do have more ties to the Midwest than Buffalo. But I don't know. I was I don't thinking... Where I don't remember where they're living right now. I don't... North or South Dakota? North Dakota? Because they were by UND. I don't know. But, because I, I, you were talking about what the Buttes were going to do, so then I was thinking about if the Whitecaps were going to do anything. Like, would you need to make any changes? Or are they going to want to try and draft new people? And I was thinking Ugh. maybe if they get the Lamaroos, like, at that point, how do you stop them? I just... <laughs> And, you know, if Shannon goes talk to the Lamberies, you've got Kendall Coyne and um, Lee Steckline who could say, hey, come play with us. I was actually having this discussion with someone else about a different team um, looking at players who um, like could be joining the, like, the NWHL this year. And we were talking about the um, 
we're talking about the Pride's defense. Mm. And, you know, with five teams and smaller rosters, typically they only carry six defenders for games. Not typically. They only carry six defenders, three shifts for team for games. There's an influx of really good defenders coming out of the um, NCAA this year, including ones that the Pride have drafted. Mm. You know, Callie Flanagan's coming out. Oh, shit. Um, the Pride's 25th draft pick uh, out of UMD. Nope, not UMD. Uh... UNH, I totally had the wrong school. <laughs> um, out of University of New Hampshire, uh, uh, what the hell is her fucking name? <laughs> um, yeah, the Pride have like Kelly Flanagan coming out of BC. They have Jenna Reholt coming out of uh, University of New Hampshire, who was their 25th draft pick, um, 25th overall mm. draft pick. Um, they have her coming out. She in a in an article on the New Hampshire Union Leader, which is like a local paper out there, uh, said that she had actually practiced with the Pride during her um, college break. Uh, talked to Paul Mara already. Mm. Uh, she described both Mara and her college coach and herself um, and Jenna described her defensive style as a stay-at-home defender, which is what the Pride need. Mm. But you've already got a pretty full pride defensive line. So, you know, we're looking at where does she fit in. But then the same could be said for Minnesota with the Lamaroos, Buffalo with the Lamaroos. Who do you cut at this point on either of those teams? I don't even know. And, like, not even just thinking about the defenders who are coming out of college, too. Like, right, like Kristen Campbell's a senior. Where is she going to go play? Annie Pankowski's a senior. Is she going to turn pro? Like... Oh, my God. The, like, the NCAA just gets better and better, and I feel like the depth... This is why, like, the people who are like, oh, there's only enough talented women's hockey players for, like, six teams. And I'm like, you're not watching if you think there's not enough depth for more than, like, ten teams. Like, it's ridiculous at this point. The problem comes down to that there's not enough depth for players in the current climate where they're not being paid livable wages and have to play where they can live what do you mean i don't think i like we get stacked teams Mm -hmm. because players have to pick their team based on other things so you see like like take connecticut for example Mm -hmm. right the whale in stanford this year sure in theory they're just outside of new york city but they're just far enough outside of New York City where working in New York City is hard. Mm-hmm. Not that like Stanford, Connecticut's in the middle of nowhere, but like, what are you doing for work there? So suddenly you see a, a talent drain out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when they were closer to Boston, they had players like Kalia Johnson, like Dana Trevino, like Haley Scarupa who were able to live in Boston and play for the whale. You move them to a place where there's not as much off, like off-ice opportunity and you see a talent drain. And that's where I think like, oh, we can't support X num- this number of teams comes into play. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's a really good point. And I think too, you're looking at like, cause you are from the Midwest too, but you went to school in BU and like made your life in Boston. Like there are a lot more teams in Boston where like players might go to school there and then try to make a career there 
Yeah. You don't have that in Connecticut, really. There are, like, teams there. Like, Quinnipiac is there. There are other schools. But, like, there's fewer, like, concentrated amounts of good women's hockey schools, I guess. And, like, there are in Boston. Like, there are in Minnesota and Wisconsin. I think it's a bigger problem that we could definitely talk about more that I accidentally just dragged us totally off a cliff on. You know what? We probably do need... Do you want to talk about anything else in the end of HL or do you want to jump ahead to the C-Dub? Because I think we're right on the edge of our time limit. Um, um, let me quite literally check our notes and make sure <laughs> there's nothing else. Oh, did you just want to mention that Levier was the first goaltender to win two Isabel Cup championships? Uh, yeah, she was. Also, nice. she's one of three players to win two Isabel Cup championships. And they've and... all Obviously, they've all won them on two different teams. I'm an idiot. Well, no, you're not. Like, no team is repeated. If you're listening to this podcast now, here's your trivia question. Who are the two other players besides Levier to win the Isabel Cup t- twice? You can pause. Think about it. Am I it. supposed to answer? Well, I was going to ask Michelle this question, but you figured out what the answers were before we even started recording. So if you would like to well, share the answers, go ahead, go for it. In, in my defense, so Hannah and I do a Google Doc every week that we have notes <laughs> and like sometimes links. More or less it works. Sometimes it doesn't, as you probably have seen if you've listened to us for a while. So Hannah just drops this like question in there. And sometimes we put questions that we don't know that we like want the other person to answer or we want to chat about on the show. And so I thought Hannah was just <laughs> leaving me a question. Like, who are the other players that have won? Like, do you know? Not like this is a trivia <laughs> question. Because she didn't say this is a trivia question. I didn't, question. I didn't until clarify. I started, like, thinking about it and I typed in the first one and then I did like Anne dot 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 and she and then she go and then I sat down and started thinking about it even harder. And then I, I I saw like that your type thing had stopped moving in the document, and I was like, oh no, she's googling the answer. So immediately I put in all caps in the document. Don't look it up. I wanted to save it for the pod, and I messaged her on Slack, but then it was too late because she remembered who the second one was. Uh, I would like to say I did not look it up. I just had to look farther into my brain. Okay. Would you like to share who the two people are? Yes. They are Corinne Bowie, who won in the first season with the Boston Pride, and then in the second with the Buffalo Buttes, um, and Harrison Brown, who won with the Buffalo Buttes in the second year, and the Metropolitan Rivers in the third. Something else that isn't in our notes, Doc, but I thought was also interesting, Corinne Bowie has been in all four Isabel Cup finals. Yeah, she's only one two. And Wait, she's... that didn't sound as bad as it was. <laughs> I was she... gonna say, and yet she's only one one, and then I just realized that I had said she's one two, and it just fell apart. I wonder. There is there anybody who was on the Buttes season? I guess not, because if you would be on the Buttes all four years, then you would have also been in the finals all four years. But in the notes that the NWHL put together, just said that Corinne Bowie. I played in all four years, so I guess that means I don't know. If I'm gonna wait. hold on. I'm trying to look up their first season roster. <laughs> we are like, don't get sidetracked. We got to try and stay on topic, and we're just—it's fun. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> Did you find one, it? two, two players from the Buttes 
original roster are still not nope one player from the Buttes original roster is still playing in the NWHL can you tell me who it is one player from the Buttes original roster is still playing Babstock no she was on the whale whale. okay I guess technically two hmm Falzer yeah holy shit really we've got Kelly Stedman, Courtney Kunichika, Megan Duggan, Devin Skeets, who's in the CWHL, Megan Bozak, who's in the CWHL, Falzer, Harrison Brown, Shelby Bram, who... Is she even still playing? She was on the Inferno, but she wasn't this year. No, no, that was her sister. Oh. The tall one. Oh, oh, is she in college? Is she in Europe? I don't remember. I don't know. She doesn't have a Wikipedia. <laughs> Uh, Kelly McDonald, Aaron Zach, Haley Williams, who's in Russia, oh my God. Hannah McGowan, Paige Harrington, Tatiana Rafter, also in Russia, Jessica Finkel, Lindsey Grigg, Anne-Marie Salino, Courtney Carnes, and Maggie Giannimo. Their goaltenders were Brianne McLaughlin, uh. Um, uh, Amanda McAla. Oh, who's in the C-Dub. Yes, on Toronto. Very cute dogs. <laughs> and Kimberly Sass. Man. What a throwback. Right? Yeah, Shelby, I don't think plays anymore because her sister, Bailey, played in the NWHL or the CWHL that season, and I wrote a story about how they were both playing in two different leagues. I remember that. And you know what? Even though the Buttes have made the finals all four seasons and Emily Falzer has been on the Buttes, she wasn't on the Buttes in the third season because she was centralized for the Olympics. She was. So she wasn't Correct. on that team. So Bowie is the only one who has played in all four. Go Corinne. Uh, okay, let's jump to the CWHL, unless there was anything else you wanted to add. No. All right, we have thoroughly exhausted the NWHL. Okay, CWHL. <sighs> So the Calgary Inferno won five to two. Um, there were a lot of things happening um, around the CWHO. I don't really even know. Do we want to start with the game? Do we want to start with? So, as we've talked about, the game was on. Did we talk about it last week? I don't know. Whatever. Wait, I think I mentioned it in a preview. Wait, did we know? I don't even remember. I can't, I, I can't remember what I whatever. did yesterday. <laughs> as it has been in the past, the game was on Sportsnet. Um, which is a TV channel in Canada, for those of you that don't know. I don't know why I'm explaining <laughs> the, this. The Canadians who listen are like, duh. <laughs> uh, it was also uh, broadcast on TVA, which is a French channel. So it was also broadcast in French. I am doing terrible. Uh, and basically what all of that means is that it was geo-blocked for the uh, U.S. fans. If, but... Thursday hadn't happened, but Thursday happened, and the NWHL... Nope. Fuck me. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're trying so hard. <laughs> I know. The NHL Network picked yeah, it up. The game was on NHL Network. They picked up the Sportsnet feed because we got the Sportsnet broadcast, which was an all-female broadcast. Yes. Uh, which was pretty cool to see. Today, Tuesday, the usual top-shelf night, we got broadcast numbers. Um, over 175,000 people watched on Sportsnet and TVA. However, I think you said that doesn't include the NHL Network. 
which means that hopefully, I'm assuming at least one person watching the NHL Network, so that means that there are more viewers than the 175 just on Sportsnet and TVA saw the game. So at least 175,001 persons watched this game. (laughs) Uh, So it was on NHL Network, which is great. And it's really good to see that partnership because they do have a partnership with the NHL Players Association. And I'm not saying that's how this came about. But it's good to see that the CWHL heard, hopefully, the outcry on social media from us American fans that we're not going to be able to watch it. Well, and I remember that being such a sticking point last year, too, because, like, it was just on Sportsnet last year, and it was geo-blocked in the U.S., so, like, there was no French broadcast, there was no U.S. broadcast, and there was, like, no way, like, the way the Sportsnet contract was written or whatever, like, nobody could stream it, we couldn't, like, there was just no way if you were in the U.S. to watch it legally. So, So this is, like, really good steps, right? Yeah. We've talked about before how the Sportsnet deal is great, the stumble upon ability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> My biggest problem is more that it's being shown on NHL Network. Mm-hmm. Um, as I found out, you can't just buy NHL Network anymore. Oh. I don't know if anymore is the right word, but you can't because I accidentally bought NHL TV. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm so good. It's $10 and I'm going to be able to watch the worlds on it because, spoiler alert, I'm pretty sure worlds is also on NHL Network. Turns out, bought something totally wrong. Thankfully, the NHL gave my money back, so (laughs) $10 not lost. That's two more coffees I can buy this week. Um, The coffees are $5? No, that was a gross. They're like $3. (laughs) I don't know why I said two more coffees. It's really only three coffees that I can buy. (laughs) Dying. something and then something else like the patty casual on the nhl network too which kind of ties into this it was the first time it was broadcast on the nhl network which is great but not everybody gets an nhl network so it's yes. like well okay which is basically what i was trying to say yeah not everybody gets nhl network in fact as i found out it's really hard to tell if you get nhl network <laughs> um so like it's a really great step to see that the nhl because they do like partially on the NHL network. I don't really know how that works, but it's great to see that they are supporting women's hockey in this way and putting the games on TV. But you have to make sure you have the right cable package. And the best time to figure that out is not 30 minutes before the puck is going to drop because you will end up buying $10 with NHL TV on accident. I guarantee you. Um, It's just like, it's a good step. And I know so often we're told, like, appreciate what little we have. Appreciate that they're doing something. But, like, why is that what we have to appreciate? Like, Mm. put this shit on, like, ESPN3 or whatever the, like, ESPN channel is. Like, whatever. The Ocho, wherever we're at in the ESPN (laughs) world. Make it so that way it's actually findable. Mm -hmm. Whether that be online or on tv somehow i mean like people did find workarounds which um if you would like to know if you do sling and then add the five dollar sports package it's a positive it's a step in the right direction but it's also a little bit of a frustrating step um i think it's important that we do recognize what that it is a positive step but also that we do ask for more still I think we're also kind of seeing, we're kind of in the middle of an era of, like, 
like the way that we view sports is changing. Like we're starting to see a lot of games on like social media platforms, games on Twitter, games on Facebook, games on, I don't, we're not at Instagram yet, but like we might be soon. Like people are, people aren't buying cable packages in the way that they used to. Like there's a ton of different ways to watch TV besides just your standard cable. And like, even if you get standard cable, you might not get, the networks that these games are on but also yeah. for the longest time like this stuff wasn't on nhl network so like even if you had the package that wasn't a guarantee that you were going to be able to watch women's hockey all the time like this didn't get announced the the clarkson cup wasn't announced that it was going to be on nhl network until two days before it happened so like it's still so inconsistent and i feel like mm-hmm. women's women's hockey hasn't yet and I don't know if you can blame quote unquote women's hockey on this. Like, I think there are a lot of questions that sports executives and people who are in charge of like viewing on TV and stuff are asking themselves about how to best broadcast sports. What I do appreciate, like, I would like it on a channel that's more easily accessible or in a way that's more easily accessible. I will say that like going to the Patty Kaz brunch and seeing like how the whole thing was produced there. I can appreciate that it's, like, giving events like that more professionalism. It's giving it more cred because, Mm -hmm. like, the fact that you're producing this for a TV package is a big deal and you have to send a crew out there and it kind of is, like, putting out a statement that, like, this is legit and we need to treat it as such. But I would like to see maybe moving forward, like, let's get a little bit more creative with this. How can we make Mm -hmm. this more accessible to more people? Like, so, yeah, like... I don't have cable. I have Hulu Live, um, which weirdly enough, I got Big Ten Network, so I was able to watch the Frozen Four. <laughs> which I was don't jealous. ask why. I was yeah. so jealous of because I can't. I, got, I don't like. I don't get that. I yeah. It's I picked Hulu Live because uh, the Food Network was on it, so <laughs> that's why I have. Hulu I love Live you, Michelle. and also like we have MLB TV for the Mets, and like basically we don't really watch a lot of Boston sports, even though we live here. Um, but yeah, like I think as the larger media landscape shifts, or I guess TV viewing landscape shifts away from your traditional cable packages with your traditional sports bundles added on, like my parents have that, but I'm pretty sure my parents only have that because my mom works for Comcast. And so like they get all the add-ons for free right? Um, because my parents have an NHL network. They actually texted me, Oh look, the other league is on. I was like, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it, it speaks a lot to a larger, to a, to a shifting landscape of mm-hmm. how people are doing sports on TV or um, yeah, on TV and online. And I think that's really smart of you to say. And it, like, but again, like one hundred seventy five thousand people watching on Sportsnet and TVA is nothing to sneeze at. And like again, that's oh, yeah. not including NHL Network numbers. So like, great that we're getting more eyeballs. But like, it's something to think about. I think moving forward, how can this improve or how? I think those numbers really jumped out to me or really brought the NHL network point home to me because I hadn't really thought about how hard it was to find besides the 30 minutes when I was scrambling and paying $10. (laughs) Um, Not that $10 is a ton of money. Anyway, but Sportsnet is probably just on your TV. It's probably just part of your cable channels. I think it's similar, and correct me if I'm wrong, Canadian listeners to like NBC or ESPN. Kind of like you're just like a standard package. 
which like is, is what we've always talked about and that the game needs to be stumble uponable mm-hmm. trademarked uh, <laughs> and i think that the the huge numbers the clarkson cup saw is just proof and point of that if you make it so that way the p- people find the game they don't the game finds the people people don't have to find the game you're only going to see bigger growth mm-hmm. and that's it's kind of a good thing i think that it's on something like nhl network because i'm assuming the people who have nhl network are like hockey fanatics who are like already fans of the game of hockey so if they stumble upon maybe a women's game maybe maybe this is like all hypothetical they'd be more inclined to like watch and see and be like oh yeah but like Hockey is still a sport where not a lot of people are, like, as engaged as other sports in North America, and women's hockey is even less so. So, there's there's room for growth anywhere. But, anyway, that took a little bit longer than I meant to, mostly because I got a little <laughs> off topic halfway through. That's so, okay. I think it was a good discussion, but, like, kind of going back to the game itself for Clarkson, like, I don't know. This one, I think the main thing for me that was kind of like a big question mark going into this weekend was would Marie-Philippe Poulin play? Because she got hurt in at the at tail end of the regular season. There was a photo of her tweeted out later of her leg in like some kind of a brace that's usually reserved for like people with pretty serious like knee or ACL, MCL injuries. Um, we haven't gotten like a specific statement on what her injury is. We can assume lower body, but we don't know what specifically. She didn't have the brace. It didn't look like for her when she went up and accepted her awards at the CWHL award ceremonies. She dressed for the final, but didn't skate a shift. She took warm-ups lightly, went out for the um, opening, uh, the ceremonial face-off, and then was on the bench for the rest of the game. I just don't. Why Why would you dress her? Why wouldn't you dress somebody who could actually skate? Like, And, like, the thing that really drives me nuts is that Haley Sullivan of The Athletic um, wrote about this. And in the article it says she sustained an undisclosed lower body injury. And the the team, which many people had been told, the team was day-to-day, told us Poulin was day-to-day. But in Haley Sullivan's article, Carolyn Ouellette, says multiple times, there was legitimately no way Poulin was playing. Haley Sullivan writes, for a month leading up to the Clarkson Cup weekend, Lake Canadian said Poulin was day-to-day, but after the game Sunday, Ouellette said there was no scenario where Poulin would have played in the game. In a different part, Poulin sustained an undisclosed lower body injury in the last game of the CWHL regular season, leading to weeks of speculation over which she would be able to play in the finals. She didn't play in the semifinals, by the way. Mm-hmm. Her doctors and coaches agreed she could not. We couldn't compromise. We couldn't compromise her career for that one moment," said Carolyn Ouellette, the Canadian's associate coach, after the game. She wanted to play, but the doctors agreed it was not possible considering her condition. If she's not going to play at all, if there was, as Kara said, no scenario where she was going to play, why was she on that bench? There's two reasons. Two serious reasons that I can think of her being on that bench. Okay. One, like someone tweeted at us, was she on that bench because that's how she got paid to play? Like, Mm -hmm. 
but I granted, I don't know how the CWHL's pay structure works. Um, we don't really have a lot of details on any, on how either of the teams, if they get paid per game or they just get paid, whatever. Not that I think Marie Philippe is really relying on her CWHL. Well, that's what I was going to uh, say. How much stipend. is that? Like 300 or 400 bucks, maybe? Yeah. Like, it's, and, and compared to what Poulin makes in like endorsements and yeah. like advertisements and stuff, it, it's not like, it's not even comparable. Exactly. There's no reason to dress her. There's somebody else that you could dress to take her place that probably needs the money more than Pooh does. If and so that then begs the question, did the CWHL, did she dress for the public relations moment of her taking a face-off in the final game broadcast on three different networks in an AHL arena? Did she sit on the bench so she could be talked about? So the storyline was still about the CWHL's biggest star. I can maybe see that. But also, like, if we're looking at Poulin as, like, a person also, she's an extremely competitive player. I can see her, like, wanting to, like, at all costs, play and help her team win a championship. And for her to, like, seriously talk to her coaches and be like, let me try, let me try, let me try, like... But why would you do that? Like, okay, no offense to the CWHL um, and Lake Canadians, but like, Worlds is in ten days. I'm guessing Hockey Canada. If I'm Hockey Canada, I'm calling Lake Canadian, and I'm like, under absolutely no circumstances is our captain playing in a game when we have Worlds coming up in two weeks. Like, there's abs- if the injury is as serious as it looks like and it sounds like regardless of whether it's day-to-day or not, like, I think you still have to think a goal that Worlds is worth more than a Clarkson, which, like, Marie Philippe-Lent has won a Clarkson Cup already, so it's not like she hasn't won one before. And, like, I know there's some debate about whether, like, the pros or national team trophies is more important, but I think we can kind of safely say that, like, a goal at Worlds is more important than a Clarkson Cup. Yeah, like, especially for a player like Marie Philippe, whose basically public persona is built on being a hockey superstar, especially with Hockey Canada. Like, her endorsement deals are more likely to be seen because she's in Hockey Canada, not because she's a late Canadiens player. I semi-jokingly tweeted that maybe she was on the bench because that was the only way that she could stay in Carolyn Willett's line of sight throughout the entire (laughs) game because otherwise she probably would have found a way onto the ice. I don't think that that was actually the reason why, but like, but like, that's the kind of player she is, right? Like, it yeah. probably killed her to not be able to play, and like, and like, her team lost five two. Calgary was healthy; they were firing on all cylinders. Like, that had to be hard to watch, too. Oh, for sure, and like, she's a huge competitor. Like, she's a competitive human by nature. It seems like, and. I can't imagine how hard it has to be to sit there on the bench in skates in full uniform and watch your team lose. Um, I mean, there were multiple moments where she was on camera arguing with the refs or like acting like a captain or an extra coach on the bench, which sure is a great reason for her to be behind the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's another reason that I think is maybe why like, okay, maybe she's not going to play, but like leadership wise, she's been, 
at the forefront of that team all season. I think it's still maybe good for morale for her, her to be on the bench. That's that to me probably is the only reason I could see her on that bench is because having her there even if it's just her energy and her like encouragement is better than not having her at all. But like honestly, come on. You that you have a team full of leaders like yeah. It's still silly to me that you would dress her when you knew she wasn't going to play. I just, I can't, I can't understand it. Either can I. But moving on, I guess, just from pulling to like the actual game itself. Um, the U.S. players on the Calgary Inferno really stepped up. Zoe Hickel got two goals, which like also, she's someone who would have been a good toast to. Like Zoe Hickel has just had a hell of a season. With the Inferno on a team yeah. that's like full of superstars, and I think Hickel has kind of been seen as like someone who's a little bit lower on the depth chart of Team USA, but she has like held her own on oh, like, yeah. a, a team like Calgary. Um, I would call Zoe like a top tier depth player. Like I don't think she's like a mid tier, mid player, mid level depth grinder, but I think she skates under the radar a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she had seven goals, 16 assists, 23 points on the season, like in the top 20 in the, in the league. But I don't think she's someone you always necessarily notice on the on the ice, which is good. Like mm-hmm. you need those grinder players out there. And I think she does that really, really well. But I was really impressed with how noticeable she was in the Clarkson Cup. Um, not only did she score two goals, but I just felt like she was always in the midst of it. She like really stepped up her game for the big game. Um, it did drive me bonkers, though, at the end of the game when there was an empty net and Rebecca Johnston scored. It was her and Zoe coming down the ice uh... pretty much alone. I mean, I think there was, like, a trailing uh, Montreal player, but, like, come on. Give it to Zoe. Give her the hat trick. Oh, it drove me nuts. And on the broadcast, they were like, that's a goal scorer. Rebecca Johnston could have given it up to Zoe Hickel for the for the for the hat trick, and she didn't. She just took it to the net, and I was like, ah, "Give it to her!" It's an empty net goal. Like, come on. But um, the way that you described her, like a like a high tier depth player, reminds me of Rachel Lanes on KRS last year. Yeah. How she was like maybe not the flashiest superstar, but like she did her job and she did it so well that you like almost. I don't want to say didn't notice her, but, like, she was reliable in a way that, like, you forget she was on the ice, but she always did, like, what she needed to do to make the smart play. And Reliable, smart player, a grinder. I think all of these things describe both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a, like a, a true a, a team player. Someone who knows the role that they play and plays it extremely well, steps up when they need to, and makes has the ability to make everybody else look good mm-hmm. and also not look bad. And and I think talking about depth too, like that was Calgary's strength all season. Like mm-hmm. it's not just Zoe Hickel who's doing that. Like you have superstar national team players, but you also have depth players like Ben Lahovey, first Finn to win a Clarkson Cup, which is awesome in its own right. Like there's just I don't have the roster in front of me, but you can go down the depth chart. Let me try and pull this up. Because now I'm Brianna Decker, Kelty Apperson, Zoe Hickel, Erica Crum, Rebecca Johnson, Brianne Jenner, Ben Lahovey, 
Rihanna Curio, Rebecca Leslie, Blair Turnbull, Eden Murray, Dakota Woodworth, former, former first-round draft pick, Caitlin Willoughby, Louise Warren, and that's just the forwards. And you've got Casey Bellamy, Caitlin Gosling, Tori Hickel, Hallie Krasaniak, Bridget Laquette, Kelly Murray, Aina Muzukami. We didn't talk about that. That's a hell of a defensive lineup. Yeah. And you didn't even say Casey Bellamy yet. I did say Casey Bellamy. That was the first name oh. I said. Oh, I just wanted to make sure you said. <laughs> I know she's your favorite. Like, I would not forget Casey Bellamy. And then Lindsay Post, Alex Risby, Andy Bellinger, and Nett. Like, the depth is just absurd. And you've got seven Olympians. Like, seven 2008 Olympians. Nope, seven 2018 Olympians. It's just like, and they were such a spread out team all through the season. Like, I mean, looking at it, there are some gaps in their point production, like a little bit bigger of a jump from like one through three. But after that, like three through 11 in like terms of rank of how many points they produced on the season, it's so tight in there. You know, it's like 39, 32, 26, 23, 21, 18, 16, 14, 13. Like, a really healthy, close clump like that just shows how much of a depth team they were or how 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 deep their team was. That's what I was trying to say. Brianna Decker got MVP, which I think deserved. Um, little surprise that Rigsby didn't get anything. After allowing just two goals in them. Although another toast, good toast would have been Anne Sophie Bate's like between the legs behind no look pass for Hillary nope. Knight. Was it the other Hillary way? Hillary Knight passed it to Anne Sophie. Hillary Knight's between the legs, no look pass across the goal crease. If you have not seen that gif, please go and look at it on the Ice Gardens Twitter. It's just freaking ridiculous. But Rigsby played really well. Um, yeah, Rigsby played really well, and she, like, really withstood a, a pretty busy third period. Um, she had 14 shots. She saw 14 shots in the third period alone um, after seeing just six and seven in the first and second period, respectively. Um, she really withstood the kind of, like, last-second scramble that the um, that Montreal put on, the, on her. Mm-hmm. She was named the goalie of the year which I think was an interesting decision, but <laughs> if by interesting, you mean wrong. Yes. I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. Um, I, it should have been Emirates smash mirror. Uh, I was, I was a little like not thrilled with the awards ceremony in general. If we want to talk about this, I don't, I think Mash Meyer should have won goaltender of the year. I thought Casey Bellamy should have won defender of the year instead of Aaron Ambrose. I think Montreal should have won coach of the year and they weren't even nominated. Like, uh, Poulin, I think winning the awards that she did was like valid because she's such a goddamn good player that you can't, yeah. you just can't not pick her for like top forward. Of course, of course, everyone's gonna vote her MVP. Like, but uh, some of the other things I was not thrilled with the decision of. What do you mean top forward? I like like the best of the best forward award. Like there's top defender, top top goaltender. There isn't a top forward award. Is well, it? unless you mean the Angela James, but oh, the Angela James goes to the top point getter of the season. Is there not? 
She had won the Gina Hefford, which won, which was the players voted MVP, and then she won the CWHL MVP, which was the um, like league GM coach voted MVP. Huh. No, there's not a top forward. Well, I think then the player voted MVP. Like, I'm not surprised that the players picked her, and yeah. she won the Angela James Bowl by default. This is the third season she's won. The um, Gina Hefford for players voted and the CWHL MVP in the same season. She's almost averaging like two points a game. Like, yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous how good she is, which is why I think her not playing in the final. I don't know if Calgary wouldn't have won, but I think, I don't know, we would have seen a different score. Maybe it would have been a little bit closer. I don't, but. If she's playing, she's not playing at full capacity. So, like, a healthy Marie Philippe Lang could have helped. But Yeah. And, I mean, like, in warm-ups, she didn't even take any line rushes. She just kind of, like, floated around. Yeah. Skated around, um, which was interesting. But, you know. Things happen. I think it'll be interesting to see whether she plays at Worlds or not. Yeah, for sure. Um, anything for else? Sure, for any, sure. Anything else you want to touch on or you think we need to wrap things up? No, I think that's all that I had for that one. All right. Oh, Michelle, where can, we... <laughs> where can we find you on social media, Michelle? Oh, on social media. You can find me on social medias on the Twitters at, at Michelle underscore J-A-Y-3. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hannah underscore Beavis1, B-E-V-I-S. I don't know why I said social media instead of Twitter. We never plug anything else. Um... <laughs> Um, usually we, we would plug our Patreon uh, during this time, but you might have noticed by the time you're listening to this that we no longer have one. Um, we're making some changes to the structure of the Ice Garden Podcast Network, mainly that it will no longer exist in that form. Um, if you were a patron before, we thank you so much for your support of the show. Um Top Shelf will be moving to the SB Nation podcast network. So you'll still be able to listen to us. It's still going to be the same show. It's just going to be hosted on a different network. And we will not be a part of the Ice Garden podcast network anymore. Um, so This we, is a positive thing. This is a positive thing. You know, it's And we really appreciate the people who have supported us um, during this iteration of the podcast. But, you know, we're... We'll have more details about what that means. Mm-hmm how nothing is going to change. Basically, we'll have more details about what that means soon. Yeah, we just got to get some loose ends tied up. But if you're a patron, you might notice that the Patreon will close by the time you've listened to this. So we just kind of wanted to give you a heads up that things are changing in that regard. So thanks. Um, if you have a mailbag question for us, you can tweet it at Michelle and I using the hashtag Top Shelf Mailbag. Um, if you have a start bench cut, you can send those to us as well. I'm pretty, I think the trivia is, is over. I think we say that I've said those last like three shows in a row. You tried to trivia me, didn't tell me it was trivia and then just like left, kept going. Yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't a great job on my part. <laughs> it wasn't my best moment. Um, but yeah, if you have any other trivia that you want to, I cannot include in the, the... Okay, you know what? No, that's not happening. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Oof.
Oh, you ended that so fast, I didn't know what was happening. This is a message for our patrons. Um, we have had a Patreon. That was such a weird way to phrase that. What? This is a message for our patrons. I don't. I didn't know how to intro it. I don't know how to like make. I don't. I don't know how to say. It.